The following is a hoop ball presentation. Welcome to the Fantasy NBA Today podcast. I'm warning you guys right from the outset on today's episode that you will be getting, I think, at least a handful of screams of childlike wonderment in the background. And luckily, uh, it's an actual child screaming with childlike wonderment, not some uh, creepy weirdo stuff that you know of. This is Fantasy NBA Today. I'm Dan Baspers. Thanks for tuning in, everybody. We're going to keep things, again, a little bit on the more brief side. This week and last week, we did it as well because, well, it's... The holiday season, guests are getting a little bit of a break, uh, trying to give them as many uh, brief respites as humanly possible before we kind of get back to the usual mill of things next week. So uh, it's going to be heavily box score oriented for the next couple of days because we have the, our you know our specialty shows on Friday and on Monday. We you know review and preview the entire weekend, but in the interim. This is time to mostly review box scores, and we'll do uh, deeper dives where I feel necessary. This show, of course, is brought to you by our good buddies at Hawaiian Isles Kona Coffee Company. HawaiianIsles.com is the website. H-I Kona Coffee is their Twitter handle. Or you can just search for Hawaiian Isles on Amazon.com and get that sucker sent prime to your doorstep, as I did. I ordered, uh, I mentioned it on yesterday's podcast, I ordered my aunt a bag of the vanilla macadamia roast, and I also ordered my aunt a box of the classic Kona roast K-Cups. It's a little 10-pod. I feel good about those decisions. If you have a moment, I'll remind you here at the outset to please rate and review the podcast. Drop a five-star review. That's what we are looking for, the big fat fivers on this bad boy. Uh, You can do that via the podcast app on your mobile device. Simply search for Fantasy NBA Today on the podcast app, click on the show title, and then scroll all the way to the bottom. Or you can do it on iTunes, on your computer, your coworker's computer, your grandma's computer, your spouse's computer, your child's phone. Anything will do. Anybody that has an iTunes account can review the show. If you want to write something nice, a sentence or two, that's cool, but you don't have to. Let's just keep racking up those five-star reviews we're actually closing in on 400 which is kind of remarkable i say it out loud and then i think whoa wait a minute like we needed we started at zero and we're almost at 400 and there are so many different services that people use to listen to this show the fact that 400 people that listen to the pod on itunes have all gone in and done it well you guys are just the freaking best I have other thoughts that I'll pass along in the middle of the podcast, but I want to dive into the Monday results before we waste too much more time. As I promised last year, my New Year's resolution was to shorten the intros and keep them into that two or three minute range. This year, you heard on yesterday's pod, one of my resolutions is to remove the ahs and ums from the show, which of course today is going to be extra difficult because if I pause even for a moment on this podcast, you will hear what will sound like a mixture of joy and irritability, but I can assure you it's a child in a bathtub with bath toys that have been soaped up and they're sliding down the walls of the bathroom. That's the game that's happening. It's like the pickle scene at the beginning of... That was Billy Madison, I think, right? The pickle scene that ends when Norm MacDonald or, or Adam Sandler yelling, Oh my God, I'm the winner! 
when their pickle hits the bottom the fastest. Well, the, my kid's doing that with bathtub letters right now. So that's that's where we're at over here. Miami caught with their pants down. This is this is trademark pants down territory. The Heat, after some really nice victories, roll into our nation's capital and just completely wet the bed against the lowly Washington Wizards without Bradley Beal, of all situations. He'd had just finished up beating the Jazz, the Pacers, and the 76ers in rapid succession, and then came in in this one. And they've got the Raptors coming up next on the second. So this was like last game of the year. We beat all the tough teams. What? I mean, they beat the Sixers twice in the span of a week and a half, and then they come into this one, and it's just like, nope, nobody cared. Jimmy Butler did his best. He had 27 points on 10 shots. I believe he ended up going 16 out of 19 at the foul line. Does that sound right? No. 15 for 19 at the foul line. Duncan Robinson got off to a really quick start. Slowed down a bit, but still had 16 points and three threes on efficient shooting as well. Derek Jones Jr. continues to stream admirably 9-4 and four with a three steals and one block. Bam Adebayo, 14-14-5. No defensive stats and six turnovers. He had a tough one in this ballgame really weird ran into like an older slower version of himself in Jan Mahimi and totally got taken to task meanwhile on the Wizards side it was just open season they scored a buck 23 I thought for sure Isaiah Thomas was going to put up big numbers and he didn't so I'll certainly wear that one and stream city master uh blaster Jordan McRae had a uh, second most shots on the team with 14 he had one of the higher usage rates on the team and ended up with 29 points, four boards, eight assists, two steals, one block, six three-pointers, and looks like a fantastic streaming option as long as Bradley Beal is out. Honest to God, I couldn't tell you who Garrison Matthews was before this ball game, but I saw his face, so he's a real person, and he actually put up a pretty good ball game. Uh, I think he went to... You got to... I, I really don't know. I don't have a clue. He was a G-leaguer as recently as like a week ago, right? I think he's on a two-way deal. I mean, this is like, you put you, you could have pulled him out of anything. He, uh, he went to Lipscomb. I had to look that up. University. I mean, really, like you could not have told me who this person was prior to this ballgame. So if you think that's going to happen again, I don't. Gary Payton slowed down. Predictably, 14 minutes, 5-3-3, three, and three, with the three steals again. So the steals are, are not sustainable at 3-6 to six per ball game, but seems to be one of his more sustainable stats, at least in terms of he's going to get some of them. And then, you know, Yamahimi could easily disappear. In the next one, we saw Jonathan Williams play more in a previous ball game. They could go small. Jordan McRae's the guy you trust right now with Beal out. I still think you trust Isaiah Thomas in general. And then Troy Brown was also bad in this ballgame. He was another guy I thought for sure would have a good game. And then they won, of all things. Meantime, the note certainly on the Heat side is that when all of these guys are healthy, everybody falls into the same old rut, with the exception of Jimmy Butler, Bam Adebayo, Duncan Robinson, and then streaming Derek Jones, who's going to be decent as long as Justice Winslow is out. And at this point, that seems like it could just be forever. I legitimately don't know if the Heat are trying to trade Winslow and he's actually healthy or if he really, truly is still hurt. But at this point, and I, I said it on yesterday's show, and I'll, I'll take a moment here to repeat the thought, it happens more often than I'd care to admit, which is that sometimes guys that seem like a stream 
just sort of walk into being an actual viable fantasy player. So if you need everything besides three-pointers, Derek Jones Jr. is a very reasonable guy to pick up. He's going to get you steals. Every time he's going to get you steals. He's going to get you some blocks because he's a high-fly act. It's not going to be a boatload of them, but he'll get you one every couple of games. He's going to get you a few rebounds, usually four to six per game. He's going to shoot a good percentage. You hope he doesn't get to the foul line too much. So it's efficiency with sort of like a weird smattering of efficiency. 50% plus shooting from the field, free throw in the 70s, so it doesn't kill you, but it doesn't help. Steals, and that's about it. It's a weird weird cross-section. He's like Chris Dunn with rebounds but not assists. They're, They're frightfully similar stat lines. For these two guys. And I, I, as I'm saying, I don't know what's going on with Derek Jones Jr. I, 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 there's a real, real chance that, or the, with Justice Winslow, I should say, Derek Jones Jr. could just sort of stay a guy for a while. So pick him up. Screw it. What do you have to lose at this point, right? Throw him at the end of the bench. See what shakes out. Maybe he's a thing. I don't know. I don't know. But, uh, yeah, put it, put it, I mean, I'm going to throw him on a bench somewhere. He also has weird keeper appeal, if that's your thing, because he's crazy athletic. Orlando lost at home to the Atlanta Hawks. This is also kind of an embarrassing one. They were favored. It's two teams, by the way, that were favored by 10 or more and lost. The other team that was favored by close to 10 is Utah. They did not lose. So one of them actually took their opponent seriously. Orlando was not that team. They uh, first game without Aaron Gordon. I actually thought that might be a little bit of an addition by subtraction thing, but it just didn't work out that way. This this seemed like another situation where a team didn't take its opponent seriously enough. Alex Len had a good ball game. Brandon Goodwin had a really good ball game. Figure that one out. Kevin Herter played better. And kind of the same story with the Wizards where it wasn't the guys you expected to go big because John Collins was actually very quiet in this game. A little bit... More facilitating. DeAndre Hunter was fine, but unspectacular. It was really, it was Goodwin. It was Len. These are the guys that came out of nowhere. And then Herter was the only one you might have thought, okay, well, they, you know, he has to be okay for them to win a basketball game without Trey Young. And he was. He was good. 19 points, six boards, four assists, two steals, two blocks, two threes, five out of six from the free throw line. Six turnovers. That's going to sting a little bit while he's doing a little extra distributing. But you take it, because the rest of the line was pretty good. For Orlando, as expected, the Aaron Gordon sweepstakes of who's going to get his shots was a little bit of a mix-and-match kind of deal, but largely it was Evan Fournier. He took 21 shots in this ballgame. Jonathan Isaac had 13. I don't know what that one-of-five free-throw shooting was for Isaac. DJ Augustine had more opportunity offensively. Markel Fultz kind of didn't. He's been He's been slumping a bit lately. You figured he would go through some kind of mild slump this year I just sort of didn't know when or what it would look like and it's been ugly Augustine is probably eh, he's not a streamer even with Aaron Gordon out even with that extra opportunity he's too up and down a little bit more points leaguey and not even really a specialist in any one thing very good free throw shooter but generally doesn't get there nine times not I mean he's gonna hit you a couple of threes he doesn't get any steals I, I this is this this is flash in the pan as per usual I thought Terrence Ross would do a bit more. He got his 11 shots. He just didn't make any of them. 
Because I don't know that this game changed the valuation of anybody really on the Orlando side or, frankly, on the Atlanta side. Because Trey Young will be back, and then he'll soak up every ounce of usage again, just like before. Brooklyn has hit the relatively expected skid in sort of this no Kyrie thing. They played fine for as long as they could, and now they're kind of running out of gas. Spencer Dinwiddie had 36 on 31 shots. His efficiency has taken a real hit lately. Popcorn numbers have been fantastic. Torian Prince double-doubled, but he can't make a shot to save his life. Wilson Chandler has cut into wing minutes, although it's not entirely clear who's. Rodion's Keurig's maybe. Jared Allen was bad and in foul trouble, not against Carl Anthony Towns, against Gorgie Jang, of all people. And so DeAndre Jordan stepped up, and he actually had a really good ball game. Six points, 13 boards, three blocks, kind of an old-school DeAndre game. Joe Harris was good after I panned him a little bit on the, uh, the, hell, the weekly lineup show. And overall, I mean, they still put up a buck 15 in a losing effort, so there was plenty of fantasy stuff. It just wasn't a nut. Meanwhile, Gorgie Jang, he's going to be fantastic as long as Cat is out. I, I think Anthony uh, Towns is going to be back here in the next one to two ball games. So if you have Gorgie, I think you try to ride it for every ounce it's worth because he's spectacular as the starting center, but also understanding that the, the clock on this is short. Jared Culver had his first good game in forever. It's not enough for me to buy into it because his popcorn stuff is great and his counting stats are all great and his percentages are atrocious. Kata Bates-Diop, no, I'm not buying into it. Shabazz Napier's played a crap load the last couple of ball games. There's a lot of guys out for this team. Jeff Teague injured his knee and then came back, so I don't know if that means he might miss a little bit of time. Rob Covington... Hurt his hand and then came back, but he's been fine lately. It's a weird, weird mishmash of minutes with no Andrew Wiggins and no Carl Anthony Towns. The top two usage guys on this club are out. So who led the team in usage? Nas Reed. Yeah. I trust Gorgie Jang, and that's about as far as I throw the streaming options. Obviously beyond, you know, the, the usuals, the Covingtons, and then if healthy, Jeff Teague. Milwaukee got Giannis back, and they just keep thwomping everybody. It sort of doesn't matter. They're, they're plug-and-play at this point. Chris Middleton was very good once again. Eric Bledsoe played 16 minutes in his return. He was actually quite good in his 16 minutes. Incredibly efficient with four steals. I didn't start him, and I advised people not to start him because I figured he'd play 16 minutes. I just didn't think he would go for this kind of line in 16 minutes. It's one of those things where I could say I lost that bet, but really... If you told me to bet a yes or a no on Eric Bledsoe being fantasy good in 16 minutes, 100 times out of 100, I would bench him. If you told me he was going to play 16 minutes and 17 seconds, maybe 30 out of those 100 times, he'll have decent lines. So yeah, you're going to lose, but you play the percentages here, and I'm okay with that fact. Ersan Ilyasova actually still had a good line with blowout numbers. And then George Hill, he's going to settle back into a very low usage mode with all of these other guys healthy again, and he probably could end up on the wire. I know he's been really good, and, and his efficiency is through the roof among the best in the NBA, but if he's not taking any shots, which is basically what happened when the team was fully healthy, if any of the big-name guys are out, Hill ends up doing more and moves into that top 75, top 80 valuation. But when everybody's there, if you're an efficiency monster, but you're only taking three shots, it's not enough. I told everybody I was kicking Dante DiVincenzo to the curb on yesterday's pod, and I maintain that with the team healthy as well. 
So you're back to Bledsoe, Middleton, Anadokounmpo, Brook Lopez, and that's it in standard leagues. Chicago got blown out, so things were a little bit of a mishmash. Chris Dunn was bad, but you stick with him because you know the stat set at this point. Tomas Sadoransky continues to be solid enough. Not a great ball game, but he stayed kind of above the threshold, as did Zach Levine, Larry Markkinen, even Wendell Carter Jr. was fine. Kobe White had one of his mild explosions, but, you know, he'll turn back into a pumpkin in the next one, so you're probably not buying into it to any great degree, at least not outside of points leaks. That That's the, the key with a guy like that, because both of his percentages are terrible. I'm trying to look up his actual percentages as we speak, and of course the internet's failing me. 37% from the field. He is 80% at the free throw line, so I should give him uh, credit where credit's due averaging about 11 points per game on the year, and he's on one of his little warm stretches right now, 19, 9, 18, and 18 his last four games. But he's going to be all over the map, and there are weeks where he'll have a three-game week and he'll score 25 total points in those three games. I, I just, it's too much for me to hang my hat on. Detroit, their continued slide, circling the drain, this ball club. They got to figure out how to move Andre Drummond before it's too late. He had 15 and 13, five steals and three blocks, He missed some free throws. He had seven turnovers, so there were some downsides in this one, and he shot the ball poorly against Rudy Gobert. But, I mean, hell, you get me eight defensive stats, I'm pretty much going to forgive you for everything else. Derrick Rose is going to do a lot while Blake Griffin is out. Christian Wood played 28 minutes with no Blake and no Markeith Morris. As I said, he needs two guys down in front of him, and you have it right now. So this is your chance if you want to roll out Christian Wood. Only 11-9, and But that's against a very good front court. There are bright things in his future if two guys are out of his way. I mostly trust Drummond and Derrick Rose right now. But as long as we get the word that Markeith Morris and Blake Griffin, for Morris it's a foot, for Griffin if it's it's a knee, we don't really know how long they're going to be out. But if they're both out, fire up Christian Wood. Light your campfire. Rudy Gobert had a big ball game. Figured he would. Big on big action. Jordan Clarkson had 20 again off the bench. He's fit in quickly in Utah. Donovan Mitchell had 23. Boyan had 17. Ingles 10, 5, and 5. And we, of course, wait the return of Mike Conley. Expectation is that maybe he'll be back in a week to a week and a half. We'll see. They want to get him fully right. That's an easy playoff team. They're going to want to try to get some home courts. They're going to want to win some games. Curious what his role is when he comes back. Does he bump... Presumably Royce O'Neal to the bench, or do they move Joe Ingles back to the second unit with Jordan Clarkson? I think they like Clarkson gunning with an offensively challenged second unit. But they'll have a choice on their hands, and if you have Mike Conley, you you just have to keep waiting it out. You got no choice. On the Phoenix front, you, uh, you, you sort of just wait and see. Right? We got DeAndre Ayton back, came off the bench, didn't play a truckload of minutes as they ease him back in off the ankle injury. But as he gets right, he'll play his normal allotment, and then we'll finally have an actual reading on this Phoenix organization. In the meantime, Dario Saric is now officially out. Aaron Baines, still good enough, while Ayton is working his minutes up, but he'll probably fade into the abyss. And then you're looking at Rubio, Ubre, Booker, and Ayton. Four-man show. Portland, not that dissimilar, actually. Lillard, McCollum, Whiteside, and in general, Carmelo Anthony, but we're seeing 
the bad Carmelo lately, the lots of shots, not many go in iteration. And then Kent Bazemore, who is stream-worthy if you need threes and defensive stats, but there's just no usage for him on this team, and that sucks because he needs a tiny bit to be fantasy-relevant, and it's just not there. So I'm, I'm throwing in the towel on that one as well. It was a good effort. He's getting the big minutes. Figured there'd be an opportunity there to get enough defensive stats and threes where the other stuff wouldn't matter as much, but the defensive stats aren't even really coming the way that I thought they would. I really thought they'd be higher. With 30 minutes a game, his, his profile has always been that. It's just not there this year. Oh, well. Oh, well. As we turn our attention now to the following Tuesday card. Another medium-sized seven-gamer. Six on Monday, seven on Tuesday. Just... That's kind of how the week is. It's, it's medium pretty much every single day. Philly is at Indiana. Philadelphia, one-point road favorite. Boston is at Charlotte. Celtics, a six-and-a-half-point road favorite. Clippers, seven points. The spread on the road at struggling Sacramento. We don't have a line on Cleveland-Toronto yet. Recording this podcast late the night before. San Antonio, nine-point favorites at home over the Warriors. Denver-Houston, no line. Dallas-OKC, no line as well. So I can't give quite as many betting thoughts as I might normally want to on this one, but I am really excited to note that our betting podcast officially has a demo episode recorded. It is being submitted to all podcast providers as we speak, and as soon as it gets approval to be on iTunes and Stitcher and Spotify and Google Podcasts and all the different sources, we will have our full rolling out party. So I'm hoping that that occurs within the next week. That's my goal. We'll see. I don't know. I mean, it took. It actually took a little over a week the last time we did this. I think that was the Pelicans pod. Took a little bit longer than the other ones for some reason. So we'll see how long it takes to get approval. But we're coming down the chute, and then I can introduce all of the guys. I want to have them here on this show so you can kind of get to know them, meet them a little bit, and then I hope you'll add that show to your mix. I'll be breaking down multiple sports. It's not exclusively NBA. It's betting, all betting. I'm not even going to tell you the name of the show yet because I'm so excited about the whole thing. The, the graphic is incredible. Luke, on our staff here that's, that's been putting together some of our, our recent graphical work, is just magnifique. We found this amazing music bed online, totally free. Uh, I'm just I, I'm so excited about that. And if you're going to be doing it with us, you're going to be betting alongside all of us here at Hoopball. Do it with our buddies at mybookie.ag. We are trying to get 100 new signups at mybookie between now and the end of January. Help us. By using promo code TODAY, T-O-D-A-Y, when you open your account and you will get a 50% deposit bonus on your first actual deposit. So you put in 100 bucks, you get an extra 50. Put in 200, you get an extra 100 of free money to play with at mybookie.ag. Again, the promo code is TODAY, T-O-D-A-Y. Mybookie.ag is the website. They've obviously got football, basketball, they'll have baseball when that comes around, they'll have prop bets, they'll have parlays, they'll have in-game betting, so many sweet things, and then more than anything else, as I've said a thousand times for our buddies over there, they care, 24-7 customer service. Check them out. You'll be glad you did. Start with a little small deposit, just just to wet the palate, get that 50% bonus with the promo code TODAY, T-O-D-A-Y. It's mybookie.ag. Bet. Win get paid 
I'll try to put some more thoughts on Twitter at Dan Bespris about this card when all of the lines are officially released. Again, we only have four of the seven, which is a little bit of a pain in the butt. But from a fantasy standpoint, as we look ahead to some of these games coming up on Tuesday night, Philly, nothing. Completely uninteresting fantasy team. Nothing. Indiana, it sounds like Malcolm Brogdon will be back, so that will put the uh, final puncture wound in the Aaron Holiday balloon. He goes back to doing very little with Jeremy Lamb, TJ Warren, Malcolm Brogdon, all of those guys. Healthy Victor Oladipo now, just a few weeks away. We assume three, four weeks, something like that. Get his butt back out on the court. Miles Turner looking for a little bit of a turnaround. This this is not... I, I have to think that they'll have Turner on Embiid, even though Sabonis is sort of the thicker of the two, just because Miles is the better defender. But I legitimately don't know what they're going to try to do between Embiid and Horford. This is it's a tough matchup. Boston, we're watching in his canter. He's been uh, quietly solid lately, I think is the best way to describe what Cantor's been able to do. Not big minutes, but he's going to hit good field goal percent. Generally going to make his foul shots. He's going to rebound like a mother. And then if he falls into a defensive stat, you just consider yourself lucky because it's not happening very often. Some of it, I think, is is he's in a comfortable role coming off the bench. This is where we've seen him have a lot of success in the past. Come in and just go buck wild for 20-something minutes. You think back to some of his more successful seasons. I mean, obviously, when he was starting and playing huge minutes in that, that stretch in New York... That was a fun one. He was seeing, you know, 26, 27 minutes a game, and he was putting up 15 and 11 games. But if you go all the way back to OKC, that final season with the Thunder, when he played 21 minutes a game off the bench, he averaged 14 and 7 that year in 21 minutes because they just said, you know what, take a bunch of shots. Go nuts. Give me 80% of your free throws. Hit me 54, 55% of your buckets. Go crazy. And that's just his thing. He's going to get in there. He's going to offensive rebound. He's going to take shots when he touches the basketball. And right now for Boston, as he sort of revs himself up back towards that 21, 22 minutes, I could very easily see him taking nine-ish shots in that stretch and getting you 13 points and nine rebounds. And that's not great. You know, not a big-time needle mover. It's, it's around 100 to 110 range. But in terms of specialization, field goal percent, okay free throw percent for a big man, rebounds, a little bit of scoring, super low turnovers. There's a place for that at the end of nine cat benches. I have some teams where I think that's super important, and I have other teams where I don't need that at all. You know, I have a club that has Andre Drummond and Jonas Valanciunas and who the hell am I forgetting? Some other guy that, that's averaging like, you know, somewhere between nine and 15 rebounds. And so when I look at his canter, I'm like, you know, I don't really need what this guy's bringing to the table. On the other hand, I have a team where I'm punting blocks. He makes a lot of sense in that format. Give me a center that doesn't block a shot. And I'll show you a roster spot for that center on my team that I don't need them. I want to win rebounds, but I don't care about blocks. I want to win free throw percent, but I don't care about blocks. Give me Ennis Canner over Tristan Thompson. Oh, yeah, absolutely. No question. Charlotte, I just don't care. They're so brutally uninteresting. Maybe P.J. Washington is on your wire, and he shouldn't be. The uh, games, by the way, start early tomorrow. Tomorrow. What am I talking about? Today is what happens when you record the podcast at, like, midnight. You, you lose track of what day it is. The games start early on New Year's Eve. 
Be forewarned. There are noon start times on the Pacific Coast. These first two games we talked about. Clippers at Kings is a 2 o'clock Pacific time start, if I'm not mistaken. The Kings are, are flailing right now. And the Clippers are coming off kind of an ugly loss to the Jazz. Normally, I'd say this is a letdown spot for L.A., but not after a loss. So this doesn't have the underdog appeal that other games like it might normally. Not much to watch on the Clippers' side. Patrick Beverly is out, so that'll mean probably a little bit more Lou Williams, maybe a little more Landry Shamit, but who cares? The, whatever those guys were is what they will be for this ball game as well. For Sacramento... Marvin Bagley's status is the only thing that remains in flux. If he's out, I think you could comfortably start Nemanja Bjelica, even though he'll be seeing some time against a guy like Kawhi Leonard. They'll they'll move bodies around. Rashawn Holmes obviously a start. He and Montrez Harrell is like that scene in Time Cop where the two guys from different time periods touch and they turn into a big pink goo. Except one of those two guys can hit their free throws. Ao. Cleveland at Toronto. We're going to keep monitoring the Cavs to see if anybody can rise above on this team. Any cream can come to the top of this frothy, disgusting mixture. We know that the big men, we know how that whole situation works. If anybody's out, Larry Nance Jr. is a must-own guy. If everybody's in, Kevin Love is the guy. Tristan Thompson is your specialist for rebounding. And Larry Nance is kind of getting pushed to the periphery. On the guard side, uh, Colin Sexton, his fantasy game is whack. Darius Garland's fantasy game is whack. Kevin Porter's fantasy game is okay, but we need to see a little bit more. Dante Exum would actually potentially be the best fantasy asset in that backcourt if they let him play at all. But as we saw during his time in Utah, he might just not be good enough to play at all, if that makes any sense. You know, 16 minutes he played in that game for the Cavaliers two days ago was his highest minute total of the season. And he didn't have an assist. He had a game last year prior to getting hurt when I think Ricky Rubio was out. Am I getting this right for Utah? Where he played 26 minutes and had 13 points and 13 assists. But, it, I mean, you can look at his game log. It's not pretty. So I don't know. There may just be nothing for the guards in Cleveland. Probably Porter, if anybody, has the, the best shot. But even that is like, what, a 12% chance? To be fantasy relevant? Feh. Feh. Toronto, you guys know where I stand on this team. I don't I don't want to beat a dead horse. I, I'll beat it very briefly because some of you are listening to this show that may not have listened to some of the ones from yesterday or last week just because of the holidays. I'm not streaming any of the reserves on this team. I'm not. I got Serge Ibaka going. Freddie Van Fleet, Kyle Lowry, obviously those guys are going. I got OG Ananobi going. But I'm not playing Patrick McCaw. I'm not playing Chris Boucher. I'm not playing Rondé Hollis-Jefferson. None of those guys is seeing enough minutes to be consistent. And we've seen it now with on the Boucher front. His minutes go big when they're getting blown out or doing the blowing out. He ramps up in garbage time. Rondé Hollis-Jefferson is very much a hot hand thing. Patrick McCaw just has a stupid fantasy game, so that one's sort of irrelevant. They just need their guys to come back. I don't know when they're going to. I don't know what order they're coming back in. I think if any of those dudes got dropped, you want to keep a real close watch on it because if, let's say, Norman Powell comes back before Marcus Skull and Pascal Siakam, they'll probably slide McCaw back to the bench, play Powell at the three, and slide Ananobi up to the four spot, and then Norman will play 32 minutes a game. So he could actually see big minutes when he comes back, and he was quite good when he was playing before. He was number 90 when everybody was out. 
So don't let that whip past you here. There's there's a possible needle worth threading. You can squeeze a few good games out of a guy, especially in a games cap format. These, you know, he comes back, he puts up top seventy five for a week. It's better than whatever you know top one ten guy you were hoping to hold on to all season long. Golden State, I mean, hell, Damian Lee right now. He's just been great. D'Angelo Russell, Willie Cauley-Stein did not make the trip to San Antonio. They both have a cold. <laughs> yeah, I know, man. Maybe they got toddlers running around their house, too. Pobrecitos. Well, that stinks, because Willie Cauley-Stein was fun, and he would have actually played a lot against LaMarcus Aldridge and or Jakob Pertl, so that's an opportunity missed. And with no D'Angelo Russell, Kai Bowman will probably play. I mean, you're going to see a crap load of Damian Lee now with no Russell. That's a lot of usage to chew up. Spurs have been good lately. Meh, they've been decent. Sorry, dial it back a little bit. They've been decent. LaMarcus, DeRozan, DeJounte. There's a symmetry to those sets of names. Denver at Houston. We don't know who's playing for the Nuggets yet. Millsap, Gary Harris both missed the last one. For Houston, I think Westbrook and Harden will be back in sort of a non-rest scenario. Eric Gordon played in their last one, and he had 20. This will be a much better look at what he might do when the usage guys are out there. So don't get too excited because it can turn, it can turn sour. I don't like Eric Gordon's fantasy game, but that shouldn't surprise you guys. I've mentioned that more than a handful of times. And Dallas at Oklahoma City. The Thunder are not super interesting. The only thing we're waiting for there is the health status of Danilo Gallinari and Dennis Schroeder. And the Dallas side, with likely no Tim Hardaway Jr., the question, I suppose, is does that mean there's more for DeLon Wright? Does that mean there's more for Seth Curry? Does that mean there's more for Jalen Brunson? Or is it just sort of a little bit more for everybody? My best guess would be the last option of the ones that I mentioned, where everybody just gets a couple extra minutes and, you know, one extra shot apiece. But who knows with this team? Rick Carlisle, sometimes he just likes to get silly. Let's get silly. I want to take a moment here towards the tail end of the show because this is New Year's Eve episode. I mean, I'm releasing it in the morning, so it feels sort of anticlimactic to, to talk about New Year's. If you guys are listening to this show at like 7, 8 in the morning on New Year's Eve, but it'll be the last show you listen to before the year 2020. And I know some of you are going to turn off the podcast at this point, and that's fine. You know, if, if you got to get into a rush to something else, but the show's only been 35 minutes long anyway. So hopefully you've got one or two minutes towards the closing here to hear me out. Truly, from the bottom of my heart, thank you. 2019 has been the best year for the podcast by far, which I also was able to say about 2018 and 2017, which was officially the first full year of the podcast. So we, we still haven't even been around all that long. But we are growing like a weed. Like a weed, ladies and gentlemen. And it is all thanks to you guys. You continue to spread the word. You continue to subscribe. You continue to listen to a daily fantasy basketball podcast. I mean, I know that that's not easy every time. I know it. And when we first started out, you know, two and some odd years ago, there were a couple hundred of you. That's it. There weren't that many. And now there's multiple thousands. 
Not a couple thousand, a few. Multiples. We're still in the four digits on most shows. I'll give you an indicator of where that thing is sitting. But to go from where we were to where we are now, yes, the attrition on our side is part of it. We're going to give ourselves a little bit of credit here in this year in review moment towards the end of this this final episode of 2019. Yes, you know, I had an Iron Man streak for the show. And some of that was goofy, you know, kind of a funny thing to talk about. Some of it was the fact that I didn't want you guys to ever think that I didn't value a single day of making this podcast. Because the best way, well, the best way to, to have a gigantic podcast is to be independently famous and then start one. But I don't have that. I was a minor league baseball broadcaster with 450 Twitter followers when I started this podcast. I was not independently famous. I could not turn my cavalry towards my newest pet project. This podcast from day one was, I am going to pour blood, sweat, and tears into this damn thing every single bleeping day of the season and the offseason until every single individual listener that I can get my paws on listens to an episode of my show. So that's why I'm out there on Twitter and I'm telling you guys, please listen to the pod. I'll answer your questions. I'll listen to the pod. Please, this is my baby. And that's why I had that Iron Man streak because that's the way to build a show when you don't have a million people that just follow you around from day to day. And you guys have responded in kind by leaving five-star reviews, by posting about the show on Twitter, on social media, by interacting with me about the show. And it is just... The single most rewarding part of this entire process is that you guys have reciprocated to help grow the show, regardless of whatever other stuff is going on in your lives. You've listened to the pod, and I I hope it's been useful for you. So to wrap up 2019, number one, if you want to be a contributor here at HoopBall, hit me up on Twitter. We really are still looking for the best and the brightest. I mentioned the word attrition earlier in this segment that happens for other people as well here at Hoopball. Sometimes folks get other jobs. They can't continue to do it. If, if, if we talked in last year or months ago and I said, look, we're, we're full right now, but you know, we'll get you on that waiting list or whatever it is, or you're worried about waiting lists, hit me up. Guys always drop out. Guys always either can't make it or change career paths or change their hours. Spots open. We have things that we don't have covered right now. So maybe there's a, something you've noticed that Hoopball should have that we don't. Hit me up about that if you want to be that guy. Join the madness. Help us continue to grow. Come over here onto the other side of the, the magic curtain. And finally, as we approach the 40-minute mark of still a relatively short podcast by all accounts, I say to you once again, thank you for a fantastic year here on Fantasy NBA Today. Thank you for a fantastic year at Hoopball. Thank you for listening to this podcast every damn day, all season long. Thank you for helping us grow. Cheers to a very healthy, happy new year. Cheers to a fantastic start to 2020. And cheers to our continued fantasy success. I am Dan Baspers. This is Fantasy NBA Today. Another year in the damn books, everybody. Have a wonderful Tuesday. I'll talk to you in 2020. So long, everybody.
This has been a Hoop Ball presentation.